<laughs> I'm Tommy Pico, and this is Junk. A Talk That Talk interview podcast wherein I ask a treasure trove of cultural luminaries about the relics, keepsakes, and rando baubles in their apartments, sussing out the stories of their junk. And this week, have we got a show for you. Recorded live at the Tin House Summer Writers Workshop 2018, we've got Denez Smith, Alexander Chi, and Jenna Wortham. Denez Smith's debut poetry collection, Insert Boy, won the Kate Tufts Discovery Award and the Lambda Literary Award. Smith has received fellowships from the McKnight Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, NBD, and the Poetry Foundation, and has published poems in Agravanta, Poetry, and the Best American Poetry. Smith lives in Minneapolis and is the person with the tattoos I envy the most. Denez Smith, will you show me your junk? Gladly. <laughs> I've been waiting for years. Yes. Um, so this is my little junk uh, cloth. Um, I think the cloth itself is actually a piece of junk too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, so I have this little pack of junk because I went on um, probably my longest book tour this last fall. And I knew the type of loneliness that I had invited on tour before. And oh, so yeah. I needed to take. So I just gathered up a whole bunch of things that were like sitting in my house that were like, you know, sort of those uh, those sacred pieces of junk that don't quite make it to decoration, and I mm. loaded them in this cloth so I could always make so I could make every hotel room, every college campus, you know, uh, visitors' house that I was at feel a little bit closer to home. That's such good advice because mm. touring is so lonely. Yeah, every now and then I uh, like a college will have me and Morgan come out together, mm-hmm. but most of it is just. And you're there for so little. Mm-hmm. You're there for so little, especially if you're going from like place to place. You know, I I, I have the pleasure. Uh, me and one of my best friends are like repped by the same agents, and so um, every once in a while we will get to do some shows together. Those are my favorite gigs because the thing about tour that I don't think people understand, even though you're in people's faces all the time, you're either by yourself or having to perform the most on version of yourself all oh, the time. Oh yeah. And sometimes you look up and it's like I haven't been me the me that exists within communities of love for weeks for months uh and i've just been doing this performative version of me that then goes into this lonely like sort of downpowered version of me that i need in order to charge back up so yeah. i can be useful to an audience the next night so so that's this is, honestly that's what most of the fourth manuscript is about hmm. road loneliness road loneliness yeah <laughs> so and cool. and that that feeling of like being surrounded by more people that I probably have ever been in my whole life and being the most lonely I've ever mm-hmm. been to. Because everyone I meet, everyone you meet on the road is somebody you've known for about 20 minutes. Yes, yeah. And so you have to kind of be the person that they think you are. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your road bindle. Okay, cool. So so the cloth itself is a piece of junk. Uh, the cloth, um, I got it. Um, so I have like a sweetheart um, in Minnesota. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm a little sweetie. Um, he's from um, like West Bumblefuck, Minnesota, this little place called Nevis, damn near Canada. And <laughs> At first I was like, 
there is a West Bumblefuck. No, no, no. That's just what I call it any place that is not <laughs> like that is not within a cab distance to an airport. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, it's most of America is West Bumblefuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he lives in this little tiny town called Nevis, where there's like you know 0.5 black people. And uh, we walked into this fabric store so we could get some yarn so we could knit something for me. Um, just, yeah, and like I don't know, like I, this cloth really jumped out to me. I remember from that trip, which was a weird chance, right? Because I think I even my sweetheart, like he. I love him a lot, uh, but there's always been these hesitations um, that I have with like dating white folks, but also dating folks from like just completely different contexts. He's from the most rural of contexts. I grew up in the big city in Minnesota, and so there's so much about each other that we miss. A lot, a lot of our relationship is actually based on our comfortability with silence mm. um, and how we sort of make that quiet home for each other. So like Nevis was a hard trip for me because even though I was really appreciative to see where he grew up, every store we went into, people would literally run to the back um, to get the other employees to be like, "Yo, there's a black in the store." Wow. Kind of shit. Yeah. Wow. So like, people were like peeking and you know definitely watching me like, was he noticing this too yeah I, after i pointed it out to him you know and he kind of warned me like hey mm-hmm. you know you might be the first black person a lot of these folks have like seen oh that would make me so nervous many a years or like maybe off a of tv Ooh. i was very nervous and he kept me he made me feel very safe he makes me feel safe oh, but good. uh but yeah so i kind of have the cloth i was we when we were so i could say sweetie um but we were official um when i went on tour when i bought this cloth and so it was sort of my little way to think about him and mm. i don't know he always makes me feel good it's like got a floral print on it it's like mm-hmm. kind of yellow and green yeah. a little bit of 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 a pinky rose kind of thing peeking out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so we got some things. So as I think the first thing that now I'm noticing is I have this all these crumbs. Um, so <laughs> so the crumbs were actually a lay that my friend Will uh, Giles um, when Hawaii gave me the last time I saw him in New York. I collected this part on tour, mm. um, and he's uh, just a, a friend that I went. We were in college together. We wrote poems together. Somebody, some of the one of the people that I like, you know when I was writing my juvenilia, mm-hmm. um, as I'll call it one day, um, he, he, we were, you know, just artistic buddies in our program and he gave that to me. So it started off really beautiful, but now it's just become sort of these crummy flowers that scatter everything um, else. <laughs> within. The- that's just, that's just time. It is just time. Age and et cetera. Exactly. The last two things I think are my most precious things in here. Uh, so this little turtle um, was given to me by uh, one of my best friends, uh, Kelsey Van Ert, a.k.a. DJ or B-Girl Pyro. Hello. Hello. That's like who has always been there right by my side. We started writing poetry together mm. um, or we found each other because we started writing poetry in high school. We went to college together. Um, you know, when I first started touring and I went and I would go through New York, I'd be asleep next to her bed in her little like cramped ass Washington Heights apartment. Mm. Um, you know, and she gave this to me and another friend of ours, Tish Jones, which is like the three of us, these little Minnesota kids. Um, and I'm not sure why she got turtle. I like to think that she remembers a night she, we, when I studied around Panama, Kelsey studied abroad too. Um, and maybe the moment where I like kind of submitted to the idea of what I thought was God at that moment was mm. when we went to this beach to, um, to see the baby turtles. Um, you know, so the turtles, the big ass ones come in, they lay their eggs. And then at night you can also see the eggs that hatch, like, you know, they, they scatter to the ground. So we had this awful day. It was supposed to be a four hour trip. We rode four hours in the wrong direction. No, <laughs> no. Oh. Um, eventually made it you have to like go through you have to like boat through a swamp full of alligators to get to this village oh shit once you get to the village you have to like walk like through knee-high waters to get to this beach um 
And so it was just a rough, like, so like just 12 hours of travel, like, you know, like everybody's. This like, is your odyssey. This is our odyssey. Yeah. And then we make it and we start to, we, as the closer, the closer you get to the beach, you hear the waves coming in. Um, and by the time we made it on the beach, it was so dark. It's so away from a city that you really, you know, that point at night, you can't tell where the sky and the ocean meet yeah it's just like the seamless blackness yeah um and this huge sound and i think we all blanked out um and i know i blanked out but by the time i sort of came to i was waist deep in the water crying and i look around and everybody's having their own water experience some people are bathing themselves like kind of kind of self-baptism yeah in a way everybody's having their moment um and i actually have these turtles on my arm too that represent that moment it's like these little six baby turtles that i've saved that i guess saved that day from the hermit crabs that were gonna eat them mm-hmm. um and I, yeah so kelsey kelsey knows turtles are special to me um, i also like yeah. to think of of as a metaphor for writing mm-hmm. the sort of slow and steady mm-hmm. to be good at writing because it's not i feel like i don't I, I don't know if writing is a talent itself because there are so many talents that are they're sort of prodigious in the sense that like somebody's good at piano when they're a kid or they're really good at singing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there are some things that, or, or certain athletic ability like shows up very early mm-hmm. writing, I think isn't something that shows up until later. Like you can yeah. commit to it and you see seeds of what is going to become good writing. Mm-hmm. But like that takes so much time. That's it's like true. such a slow and steady it's true. process. It's never an inherent skill and you have to trust it. Right. I think, you know, a turtle, right. It takes time for a turtle to become mighty. Mm. Um, you know, the, when turtles start off, they're so fragile. They're little soft ass shells. Have you ever seen a little baby turtle, right? They're probably the size of this little thing they kind of they i remember holding those turtles they can fit in your palm wow and to think that those things grow into these giants that they live for hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. it is that slow and steady not only in the movement but in the life of a turtle you know being patient with yourself as a writer as well that it might not happen within the first couple of years that yeah. you know your your excellence is waiting for you down the road so this is the last item um maybe my favorite um so this is a just a little lavender you know a stitch patch uh with a picture of my friend andrew um andrew thomas aka phonetic one on it and uh you know andrew was somebody that i think we all wanted to remember even when he was living he was like uh he you know i remember one year for this huge drinking festival that used to happen in our college called mifflin days Ugh. um so many hangovers so much so much vomit (laughs) uh but we all you know just because andrew is the person he is we got this same image put on t-shirts um just so we could because he has the he had the most infectious laugh and so Mm. you know it looked like he had already passed away or some kind but it was really just like all of us being like no we just want to wear a friend's shirt on our faces today uh because we want to all be a little bit more like andrew yeah yeah, and that's such an, that's that is such a an interesting impulse mm-hmm. to to memorialize somebody while they're still alive. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I mean, you want to hold him close. I mean, Andrew was just one of those people. Um, he passed away in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, he committed suicide. Um, yeah, and we miss him a lot. And so a friend of ours um, made these patches for everybody. Some folks have sewn them on the jackets. I'm still waiting on the perfect denim jacket mm. um, that I'll never want to get rid of to put it on. But until then, it's just this, you know, my little lavender picture of Andrew. And it is like, I think uh, in, in doing a lot of these interviews, um, one of the things that that I've seen people do is like ca- that, that a piece of junk is like to remember a person and to, mm-hmm. to sort of kind of almost to remind yourself that they're still, they might not be with you physically, mm-hmm. but they're still a part of them with you because yeah. you remember them and they were a part of your life and you appreciated mm-hmm. them, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's it, what's right. It, it's, it's what you know. I've been talking about this in workshop with my students, but it's like you know, some things are objects and some things are artifacts. Mm. Um, and those artifacts are infused with that energy, right? So like even like being able to touch these things, it, may, it might be just the memory, but it almost feels like you know you can you can feel them, you can smell them. Their energy is a little bit infused. I want to hold this in my palm and be closer to somebody that I know cares for me and it helps me care for myself too. Right. Yeah. And that like all of these together is like just it's like especially when you're on the road and, and lonely that is like you said the remembrance of 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 the people and the things and the places and the mm-hmm. times that mm-hmm. that have been really meaningful mm-hmm. to you and and yeah like that your community the community of you mm-hmm. is with you wherever you go mm-hmm. and the struggle too right like this isn't all happy memories like i've also been through it with the people that are in this little joint and i think maybe that's what i really like most about junk in <laughs> um in a lot of ways because junk um right you say it in your book it's not garbage um mm-hmm. but junk is sacred and i think the junk we hold on to we hold on to it not only because it um because it reminds us of like happiness or joy or anything but it also kind of reminds us that like despite mess despite junk um we make it and i want my mess to come with me yeah that's beautiful thank you thank you Alexander Chi is the author of the novels Edinburgh and The Queen of the Night and the essay collection How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, which you need to go out and get right motherfucking now. He's a contributing editor at The New Republic and an editor-at-large at VQR. His essays and stories have appeared in the New York Times Book Review, T Magazine, Tin House, Slate, and Guernica, among others. He's also taken the time, so much time, to mentor me whenever I've needed it, provide me a shoulder, a pat on the back, and every now and then, a hearty slap across the face. Alexander Chi, will you show me your junk? I will. <laughs> I'll do my best. I was sorting on sorting my junk mm-hmm. on the way over mm-hmm. um, because I suspect that I have a lot of junk, but I don't think of it as junk. Yeah. And one a phenomenon that my family talks about a lot is something that we call the Xbox. Okay. And before we called it the Xbox, we called it the crazy box. Okay. And that was when you're moving and you're getting close to the end and suddenly you're standing there with like a light bulb, mm-hmm. a bungee cord. So many cords. A program from like a concert that you were in when you were like 13. Yeah. And you know that you should probably throw it away. Mm-hmm. But you can't throw it away. And like all the stuff in the box doesn't seem to have any relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. And like, and yet it all ends up in the same box. Yeah. And then you seal it and you move with it. And then sometimes you don't open it mm. for a really long time. Mm. <laughs> and it becomes like this weird letter to yourself, mm. you know, about, everything you couldn't quite put together at the time or face. Yeah. A time and capsule for your issues. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it was interesting to me to see like in my relationship with Dustin and he's a completist. Mm-hmm. Like once you start doing something, you have to do all of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not used to that. <laughs> in like like any any given task any given right so if you're unpacking you You have to open all all the boxes oh okay 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 (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel like I don't have stamina for that. It's just like it's whatever I can get through, and then the rest of it goes into a closet or under a bed. Right. <laughs> right. So it became this very, uh, this very interesting situation where I kept thinking, like, maybe he's just going to forget about this. Mm-hmm. And then he'd say, how many more of those boxes you got? Ah. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is this hellish relationship that I'm in? Um, <laughs> and I really had to push through it i have i save things like like i have a box that is postcards that i've bought over the years Mm -hmm. i think when i was like dreaming up google image search before it existed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know yeah like i'd be in a postcard shop and i would just buy all these postcards was it like I mean, was it ever with the intention of them being correspondence or was it just like, I want to remember these places that I've been or I want to remember the, I want to have these some weird mix of all of that, Mm. you know, like I bought this very expensive card recently to send to Dustin's parents, for example, and then we just never wrote and sent the card Mm -hmm. and then we just got back and showed them all our pictures. But now I have this card (laughs) (laughs) that we never sent. Which, I mean, if you're talking about like it being like a sort of proto Google image search, you're like, I'm going to give you this image. And you're like, well, actually, I'm just going to show you all the images that I took pictures of. Like all of the things that I decided to like capture that were personal to me. And now this like this like archive of the trip or whatever is stays with you. Yeah, exactly. I have this bead necklace that this guy made me. We dated for like maybe three months, four months. Okay. And it hangs. That's pretty, I mean, in gay years, that's like, well, like that's like a couple years in gay years. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know why I still have it. It Mm. it has like, I I can't throw it away. Mm. You know, I don't know what, what, what what is it? Does it, does it remind you of something? Are you, are you attached to that time? Are you attached to the place that you lived maybe? Or did he get it for you at a, was it was it that it was like a, a display of of affection that you were uh, that was unprecedented or was it? Well, what is it? Yeah, about? I think nobody had ever like made me a bead necklace with my name on it. Mm-hmm. Like it was camp. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, but like my name was like three X's. Mm. <laughs> yes, uh, which, which is, is so obvious. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> also that's like um an AOL screen name or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> was it like a particularly intimate relationship or was it just like the, that the display of affection did that I mean, obviously displays of affection are like very comforting, you know? Um, and, and getting in, getting an object that is personalized, like, right. like this person is like thinking about me or had there been like, was there like a breakup beforehand or was there like some kind of, was it resolving some kind of other energy? I wonder it was a kind of, so he was a, a sort of rebound guy mm-hmm. after like breaking up with one of like my first serious long-term boyfriends. Mm. Yet he was somebody who seemed to me like a kind of vision of, you know, like sexy domesticity. Okay. You know, when I met him, he was a, he was a male au pair to this adorable baby. And I would see them around all the time. And at first I thought it was his baby. Then I realized it wasn't, this was in Iowa city. And he, I remember he forced me to buy my first set of real sheets and blankets. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, uh, he came over to my house and saw that I was using t-shirts for pillowcases. 
Wow. Everyone now everyone's gonna know that you were using t shirts for <laughs> pillowcases. Oh my god. Wait, how old were you? I was twenty six. That is a little bit late in the game to be late. using t shirts for pillowcases. But I gotta tell you, like after break one time this one of the one of the dudes was, he was like, I mean and 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 you have a box spring and it's not comfortable. Why do you sleep there? And I was like, <gasps> like I was mortified because I didn't even think about it. But then I went out and I got myself a fucking Tempur-Pedic mattress with a gel top to whisk away the heat. And I was like, all right, maybe I am going to be better. <laughs> without you yeah wait so was it the was it the rebound guy who got you to stop using t-shirts for for pillowcases yeah he said uh specifically a line i'll never forget he said alex my brothers live like this but they're hockey players (laughs) (laughs) wow that's shade yeah (laughs) yeah i remember he he took me to the ralph Lauren factory outlet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we did the deed so to speak. So it so it was kind of um, so uh, so you said you broke up with the other long term person and yeah. this guy was like kind of a rebound. Or was the experience of like kind of being with this new person? Even though I, I imagine it being a rebound, you're not going into it thinking something super serious is going to happen. But w- was it something like reminding you to first like was it for self care like reminding you to take care of yourself or maybe? I mean, he was he was probably like the first of many to try to get me to be more civilized Mm. like when i met dustin dustin actually called me wolf boy (laughs) and i didn't have t-shirts for pillowcases but i was using an old bathrobe as a curtain in the bedroom wow okay and uh progress not perfection (laughs) (laughs) and i had not recycled my newspaper newspapers and magazines in probably like you know a year Mm -hmm. and so are you a hoarder I, a little bit, oh, okay. a little bit. I have magazine archives, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that go back um, to, you know, the 80s. See, I'm fascinated by hoarders because well, this is not pejorative at, at all, but because like, I feel like for so long, I have tried to have as little stuff as possible because I always figured I was going to have to move right away. Yeah. And that's, that's like a trauma of New York. To a, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but 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 it was it, but it that feeling was already there before I moved. You know what I mean? It was right. very easy. For, it's like very easy for me to get rid of things because I'm just like, uh, I don't. Like, I was like, how much do I actually need? But then I forget to actually like uh, the the comforting thing about having junk is that like you feel like you live there. Obviously, like you 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 belong to a place, and a place belongs to you. Yes, I think it's in the blood. To mm-hmm. be honest, like my. My uncles on my mom's side of the family are definitely hoarders. And they, for example, had like a whole barn full of, full of broken computers. Wow. That recently, like the roof, like fell in on it. And we had to get them to face up to the fact that they were never going to fix these computers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not about fixing computers, my friends. I don't <laughs> think it's about fixing computers. And they're farmers. They were dairy farmers that like it mm. made no sense at all my mom dustin and i actually like went through her basement now that i'm so organized you know (laughs) um and we were organizing it for her and i remember we found this old burberry trench coat that she used to have from like the 70s Mm -hmm. 
And in the pocket, I found a little peppermint patty, which is like her favorite candy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, those are delicious. Just FYI. (laughs) We're not judging the candy. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And it was, and the thing is, is that like, once I found that, I actually couldn't bring myself to bring the coat up and put it on sale. I wanted to leave it there, (laughs) which is this kind of ritualistic like i don't even know what that i think that is it's some sort of it's almost like a museum mm-hmm. of her well it, and i think that maybe that's part of it is like like we talk about keepsakes like what is that really and i think it's about kinds of talismans that are like trap doors into another really quickly into another time i i have too many knickknacks mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's a it's a it's a knickknack rodeo <laughs> But like, what what pleasure do they give you? The pleasure of all those little memories. Well, in this, in, in the in the introduction for you, I'm going to definitely call you the Queen of Knickknacks. Okay. So I hope you're okay with that title. I'm okay. <laughs> From the Queen of the Night to the Queen of the Knickknacks. Yeah. There we go. Hey, <laughs> I'm a copy bot. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna Wortham is an award-winning journalist for the New York Times Magazine, among other things. She co-hosts the podcast Still Processing and has the most beautiful collection of gold rings I have ever seen. Jenna Wortham, will you show me your junk? <laughs> okay, are you ready? I'm, I'm never ready, but yes, I'm ready. Okay, is this a, is this a stopwatch? Keep guessing. Um, is it uh, um, a compass? It's a compass. Oh, second try. Yes. Look at my pretty compass. This is beautiful. It's a really old, cute compass. Where did you get it? Where does this come from? Okay. So I bought it online. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I was going through this Amazon whole phase. Amazon Prime or? <laughs> How embarrassing. Um, I bought it on Etsy, which is a little less okay. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I was going through this whole phase where I feel, I still feel, I felt, I still feel very disconnected from the experience of just living on a planet called Earth. All right. And I feel like I'm really, really bad with directions. So mm. I, I have no geospatial orientation. It's something I'm kind of proud of and I just lean into it. But I just, I'm, I'm so tired of being on my phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm like one of those people that has to like look at the phone to be like, is it right there? Oh, that's it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, maybe it'll be helpful to get a compass to start like understanding north, south, east, west. Mm-hmm shit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um to to have a, a beat on where you are but also it, like um just in, in for like peace of mind right right because people will be like oh maybe on the west side of this building and i'm like i don't fucking know what that is <laughs> and everyone in new york's like well just think about the river or this river and i'm like that doesn't help me at all because mm. there's so many buildings yeah, yeah 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 so i was like this will help solve the problem it's easy i think to in, in a place like new york to get i for example coming out in chinatown like I'm, I'm always lost. Like I never know yes. what's up, down, left, right. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I'm basically. If is that the sky? Is that the sky? You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, so how, so how has this helped you feel more grounded? Or no, absolutely not. That's why it's junk. <laughs> but you um, keep it around. I mean, it is gorgeous. It. There's it's like beautiful. a heft to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, okay, so this is what I had to look up. I had to look up how compasses work because I still couldn't figure it out. I mean, basically the earth is magnet. Mm -hmm. So you can use a magnet to help align yourself with magnetic poles on earth to figure out where north is. And then once you know where north is, 
you can figure out where south east and west mm-hmm. but you have to do there's like some weird way you have to orient the compass to make it align and i could never figure that shit out uh-huh. so it was kind of a funny realization for me in a lot of ways one it's like I was expecting a different type of piece of technology to help mediate my relationship to earth, which is not possible. Right. Okay. It's still mediated mm-hmm. through something else mm-hmm. Two, Yeah. I'm still going to be using Google maps to find my way around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking so much about the line you read from, from junk about what is it about how junk isn't useless? It's, um, it hasn't outlived its purpose. It's looking for its next life. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. Like I'm trying to figure out what its next life is. Right. And also I think like the idea that um, if it's not digital, if it's analog, it's uh-huh. somehow more authentic. Totally. And I, I felt like I realized I'm one of those people that buys a record player and like just displays it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I feel you on that. And I think too, what you talked about, like trying to attune to this thing uh, mm-hmm. and like utterly failing, I think about like um, trying to tune a guitar. Yeah. You know, and like I'm like listening to it and like it's just like I have friends who it's like second nature to them and they like know exactly what the note sounds like and I'm just like uh, is I can't tell if it's sharp, if it's flat, like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I'm yes. obviously I'm not like a singer singer, so it's like I, I can't really tell. I just like to I just love to do it. Uh-huh, so it's like uh-huh. it doesn't really matter to me if it's right or not, but it's like I can't uh, <laughs> I, I could never I could never um like I can't hit notes, but right, like right. just have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting when you talk about how um, uh, not having your bearings or not knowing where you are. I my dad was um, drafted into Vietnam, and mm. one of the things that he had to do was he had to guide tanks through minefields. Wow! And so he had to stay up all night studying maps. Wow! And wow. so my house was covered in maps, like National Geographic maps, oh, wow. maps that he drawn, maps of the res, maps of other reservations, like maps of Indian country. And I, I feel like I kind of grew up, like I'm somebody who has a very good sense of direction because I feel like it was like kind of hammered into me, like know where you are at wow. all times. Wow. But like that became an obsession of his, but out of necessity, like it was That's amazing. He had to like, not only did he have to survive, but he had to make sure everyone, everyone else, else did too. too. Do yeah. you still have those maps? Um, he definitely still does. Okay, yeah. Good. Good. And I'm still obsessed with them. Like I sometimes when I'm in a new city, um, when I'm in the airplane, like when I'm descending and I'm just, I, all I do is open up my map and I look at like, like where, yes. like, you know, what's North side, like where the river is. Like I did that for Portland, like, um, uh, what's on the West side, what's on the East side. And I did like little, it's, it's so weird, but I would do like little, little journeys through mm-hmm. the city. I remember when I, like I lived in Berlin for a little while and I had like a map of Berlin and I, um, made sure to take a different route every single day as I was like walking around and I liked Love it that. and I traced it like in a highlighter just so I could like, this is my Berlin, yes. you know? Yes. I think that's really key. I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm inching closer to is a realization about I don't know how easy a how easy it is to be lost and how easy it is to forget to orient yourself because we're so used to just being able to open your phone and do it and I think I've I've covered tech for so long and I still think about it a lot and I'm thinking so much about right now how people are starting to realize that Apple plans obsolescence and Mm -hmm. so and it's not just Apple but like just like gadget makers because they want you to upgrade that's how they keep their share prices up their stock prices up they make their investors happy by getting people to constantly upgrade and so they slow down the phone so Mm -hmm. so if you have an iphone 5 it doesn't work very well Mm -hmm. um also at least for us in the u.s like our cell phone towers are really shit and out of date and so we can't get 
like here we have no service mm -hmm. in Portland, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can't get your map to render mm -hmm. or your phone is really slow, you're screwed. And so there is this like interesting tension between codependency and interdependency with technology and our devices. And that just highlighted it for me. Like I was really trying to undo a dependency by initiating a new one mm -hmm. with the compass, which I still couldn't figure out. So it's been like a really... It's been a lesson for me in mindfulness, mm -hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, in, it, in addition to it also just being like a beautiful object to yeah. like have display like a record player. Yes. Um, it is more so, I think, um, this like, like as I, I like to think of it as a reminder that not only is tech not going to save you, it's mm -hmm. also, when you're talking about with interdependency, like it's okay if it helps you out. Right, right, right. It just sort of, I don't know, I think it's, I think there's something I'm trying to learn about over-reliance and under-reliance. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I'm just trying to think through, I guess for me, a way of like getting my bearings isn't just figuring out where I'm on a map. It's like starting to understand how the interplay between how I think about what's mediating my life and how I think about how I'm interacting with the world and how I think about how I'm engaging with the world. And it's, it's funny because my phone doesn't work as well because I need a new phone. The compass doesn't help me out. So now I'm in this position where I am sort of just forced, I guess. I mean, I'm opting in to do this. It's not like, I mean, you know, but I'm choosing to slow down. Mm -hmm. So when I get out of the subway station in Chinatown, it's like, I have more time to figure out where I need to go because I'm not, I can't do that thing in New York where you book your day from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and mm -hmm. you're just like constantly laid and frazzled. I'm just like, I need more time to figure out where I'm going and yeah. how to get there. And it's, it's actually been a better exercise for me than trying to find a new way of getting myself places with another piece of technology. I feel like I did that too, but it was because my iPhone 6, so there there are like two um, antennas inside of them, one of them that picks up the Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. and then one of them that picks up the cell service. Right. And the, the, the antenna that picks up the cell service had atrophied. And oh, it was like a particular no. bug in iPhone 6s. Oh, I remember this, yeah. And, but I was furious and i was like i'm not getting a new phone like right, i'm not right. gonna let them do this to me yes um so, but so then i didn't have cell service anywhere but but i would be on a wi-fi network I'd, I'd have to run in really quick i'd like figure out the map of where i was going i'd take a screenshot of it and then i would <laughs> yes, leave so then i, I was like looking at the screenshot that. yeah <laughs> um so that was my way of being like i'm not gonna surrender to this technology but i'm right. still dependent on it <laughs> i'm fighting you but working with you yeah yeah. And then that way, you know, that's, we're in a relationship, so. We're, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I always, I know, I'm like, I'm in an open relationship with the internet. That's what I always, like, <laughs> think about. I don't know. So I don't know what to do with this item now. It's like, it's fun to leave it out because then it becomes a conversation piece in the house. I could put it on a chain. I could give it to someone else that could, that could use it better. I think I'm going to go camping soon, so I might try to actually, like, take a map and print out directions from WikiHow about how to use a compass <laughs> and then try to use the compass. <laughs> we'll see. As like a thing, as a visual reminder though, I think one thing that it could do for you in, in terms of like taking a minute mm -hmm. just to be like, where are you? Yes. You know? Yes. And like, not just spatially, but just like in life, like, yeah. are you, are you in the, are you going in the direction you want to be going in? Ooh. You know? Yeah. I mean, I love that. I think about what it means to be lost and found all the time. So that's definitely meditation, but it's funny though. Cause I'll go to yoga classes or meditation classes and, and we'll be like, 
ground yourself, but then we're like in a high rise, you know? And so it's uh -huh. like, and then the teacher has to be like, even though we're not on the ground, imagine the connection to the ground, you know? Ooh. And I'm always just like, man, living in New York is so weird. Yeah. Like that. Trying to give yourself a moment mm -hmm. in a place mm -hmm. that absorbs moments is very difficult. That's a beautiful way to put it. How do we reclaim those stolen moments? That's what I'm working on right now. So maybe this will help you reclaim your stolen moments. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, at least it's pretty to look at. So same. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That one was so good. Thank you, Jenna Wortham. And next, I'm going to end the show the way I always do with a short excerpt from my book, Junk. Just who owns the attraction passing between bodies? We say neurons fire because a frame of mind needs the border of poetry. Something fuzzy buzzing, your face glows coastal and leaves me feeling fine as the powdery shoreline at low tide. Dummy, all our lives, we are the wavelengths of light who escape the negative space, urge towards sunset scattered roadways, morning haze, and the gusting forward of time. Oh, shut the fuck up. Voices change. How dare you tether me to lines I wrote in like 2009. Going over your junky poems, huh? Do you ever wish you could just be oneself? Whole is a privilege and a pedestal. Whole Foods has a delicious hot buffet, Red Alert, Defcon 5, Deep Space 9, clack clack of expensive shoes slapping down the train platform, a cab backfiring, sputter of gunfire on a Snapchat story. I don't know where the feeling is or what to do with it and spent most of the day in bed with my eyes squeezed shut, but then we went to the park and ate a vanilla ice cream sandwich sandwich and an empanada. We went to the vigil and marched and held hands, got pizza and played pool at the gay bar with John and Peter because whatever season it is, it will not be open season on my spirit. And then we went to karaoke and afterward I said, I love you. For the first time in my life, I said it to someone I'm dating and you said, I love you so much. And I know where that feeling is and what to do with it. It's going all over the place. How are the people most fucked by society treated the absolute worst and the most coddled given the most opportunity? How can happiness be anything more than a metaphor for privilege? Thus my obsession with punchlines. Stop me if you've heard this one. Who will save your stole? <laughs> this is a thought experiment and there I go, drooling. When you nurse a crush for two years, you become a boss at being tipsy. All that rub, no climax. Let's wait a while before we go too far. I thought falling in love was a burden, a kind of crowding on my landscape. Love creates space, dummy, doesn't take it up. Tangy harpsichord, crunching into a crisp pink lady. The sherbet swirls on these apples is maybe the most perfect color in nature. The perfect denim jacket is worn, rolled, and the color of heavy fog tumbling in from the Pacific. Love is a soft fur trim. 
the way old cotton wears thin on broad shoulders, a line of tiny buttons, a pair of purple wool gloves with its fats and its salts and its sugars, junk food was designed not to satisfy. I have a crush on this thrift store clerk whose curly hair bowls when he belly lolls. I don't know what that means. Perfect denim jacket. Just what I'd feel if I had it. Hmm, feeling piqued, roused, amused? Buy the book online or at a fine or frankly trashy bookshop near you. Junk is produced by Alexandra De Palma with production assistance by Kenya Anderson. Our theme music is a cover of Fotos y Recuerdos by Downtown Boys. Thanks for letting us use it. And we're brought to you each week by the best book peddler this side of King James, Tin House Books. Thanks for sticking around. Stay good.